Hey guys, it's Keenan from the High Upside Show. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's 100% free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone, or you can do it from your computer. Anchor will do the rest. It's going to distribute your podcast on the most popular platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. On top of that, you can actually earn money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You're listening to The High Upside Show, a podcast that allows people like you and me to invest our money in a more entertaining way. My name is Keenan Rivals. I'm a photographer by the day, but I make most of my money by flipping cards. In this show, I'll be sitting down with you and sharing my best practices. You'll learn my process, the lessons I've learned, and more importantly, who you should be buying. And welcome back to the show, guys. I am really excited about today's episode. And honestly, I'm probably going to say that about every episode. I, I get excited about a lot of these. But today's episode is something that I think a lot of you guys can benefit from. I've been creeping around, you know, looking at some tweets, looking at some Instagram accounts, joining forums and chats. And I've kind of noticed that a lot of people who are in this hobby, who are in this investing side of the hobby, are relatively new. So new that this is like your first go around. This is like your first full season on the job. You know, a lot of people joined last year, mid season. Prism was already out. Cards are already graded. A lot of you guys jumped on the optic, uh, you know, were able to make a lot of money off that. And you're coming into this year and you're feeling really good. You're feeling optimistic. You feel like you can do this. This is easy. I'm not trying to spoil anybody's fun or optimism, but it's not easy, guys. If you got in last year, you got in at a good time. I'm not saying that it's a bubble, but a lot of things were just in play and there was a lot of setup for success. If you didn't make money last year on sports cards, then you're probably never going to make money. Last year, money was more so being thrown at sets and not players. Meaning if you owned any player from a particular set, whether it was optic or a graded prism, you probably made a few dollars in profit because the market ticked up. It wasn't really us doing a great job at scouting or prospecting, it was just more people becoming interested into the hobby. So now that you're fully in, you're fully invested, and that beginner's luck stage is kind of over, I want to talk to you guys about some of the mistakes that I've made in this hobby over the last few years. You know, these are my, my top five biggest mistakes, and I'm letting you guys know them so you can avoid them. You know, I didn't have a podcast to listen to, so hopefully this can help save you some money, help save you some time, and just help save you that long learning curve that you really don't want to take. So yeah, you guys know me, no fluff, no BS. Let's jump right into it. First mistake that I made kind of coming into this hobby is buying penny stocks. I know a lot of you are like penny stocks. What does that mean? Obviously, this isn't the stock market, but there's a lot of similarities here in the stock market. You kind of go for those really cheap stocks and you hope to hit them big. You know, you're paying three cent for them. You're paying 10 cent for them. And you're hoping that they can reach Apple like prices one day. And that's great. You know, sometimes that happens, but it rarely happens. And it's a mistake that I make far too often. And I probably still make today. And I'm sure a lot of you guys are making you come into the hobby you're a little bit afraid. You don't want to spend too much money. You're like, I know what I'm doing, but I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to take a huge risk here. And you start looking at players that don't really have that much potential, but they're cheap. You know, if we if we could use an example, hopefully this doesn't come back to bite me in the ass and he blows up. But let's use uh, Svi Mikhailuk. You know, he's a Pistons guard. Um, he played for the Lakers. He's he's really good at shooting threes. And you're like, all right, Mikhail Luke is a great three point shooter. He is a 
going to go out there and if he gets the opportunity, he'll be able to light it up from the three. And you just start putting all this money into Makai Luke. You're like, you know, he's going to be the next who's a great three point shooter um, that's doing well in the hobby. I don't know, Clay Thompson. Like he's going to be the next Clay Thompson. And you start having all this optimism. You start buying up Makai Luke's. You're getting rare cards. You're getting silver, you know, prism refractors. You're getting PSA 10. You, your $100 goes a long way buying Makai Luke. And you get super excited. You know, you got 30 Makai Luke cards. And if he does well, you're going to make a fortune. And then he doesn't do well. Or he does do well and no one cares because he doesn't have the formula or the recipe to be the guy that you thought he was going to be. Now you're just stuck with 30 Mikhail Luke cards. You know, I've seen that happen with Luke Kennard. I've seen that happen with Bruno Caboclo, who's somebody I'm investing in right now. He's my penny stock. And, you know, I'm not saying that penny stocks are bad. Like, I feel like everyone should have one. You know, if you got a guy you believe in, he has the tools, he's raw, go for it. But you have to kind of hedge that in a way. You got to have another guy who's doing really well or you you, you got to have some kind of strategy. You know, I, I don't know you know, what that strategy is, but you have to have one. And we'll get into that a little bit later. So yeah, the first mistake I made was just buying a bunch of penny stocks, buying a bunch of raw players with potential and just kind of going for those home run hits, you know, when it might've been a better investment to, you know, maybe buy Luca, you know, had you have bought Luca this year, you probably would have made a lot more money than you would have if you bought like Josh Okoge or Kevin Herter. And, you know, a lot of people are scared when they see those prices of Luca, you know, you get afraid as a new person. You're like, I really don't want to drop a hundred dollars on this one card because then you just kind of have one card and that's not really fun. So yeah, definitely kind of think about that. If you're buying penny stocks right now, don't be discouraged, but hedge that buy a couple guys that are a little more proven to have some potential and that can, you know, reach those higher heights, you know, don't put all your money into one basket and just bet on this player exploding because the chances of it happening are slim to none. The second mistake I've made in this hobby is selling too soon. And this is kind of a two-part thing. We'll get into the other part later. But yeah, you're just buying guys and selling them too soon. You know, you get a car for a hundred bucks, you get an offer for 150 and it's gone, you know, and you made 50 bucks and you dance around, you're like, yeah, I'm really good at this. But then that car goes on a sore for three, four, five hundred dollars. Imagine everybody who bought um, Luca Prisms during the off season. You know, they bought them for four or five hundred dollars. That car shot up to seven fifty. They sold. They got out. They made their money, and then they looked at it. You know, go to two thousand dollars, and that had to hurt. You know, they sold too soon, and it just sucks when that happens because, like, you you made the right move, but you you didn't execute properly. And I think a lot of that comes from fear from losing your money. You know, there's a way to determine how that happens. You know, if you buy a guy for 500 bucks and let's say he goes to 750, what's the downfall of holding him? I think about people who like picked up Giannis in the past. I think about people who, you know, so Anthony Davis when he was on the Pelicans, not thinking about his free agency coming up. I, I just think about people who don't have a strategy and that quickly gets me into my third thing. That's another big mistake that I've made and it's not having a strategy. You know, sometimes you're on eBay, you're looking at cards, you buy recklessly, you know, impulsively, and you don't really have a strategy in mind. And that's so important in this hobby. You need to know what you're buying, why you're buying it, and what's your exit, you know, plan for that. One of the strategies that I've employed is buying a nice deal of base cards. You know, everyone wants the refractors and the silvers and the hollows, but 
I found that buying PSA 10s of the base cards has allowed me to kind of dollar cost average my way out. You know, that's my new strategy. For example, um, Lucas Optic PSA 10. I bought about 20 of those when they were $25. And my strategy was to sell a few at every you know dollar amount. Okay, if it hits 100, I'm going to sell five. If it hits 250, I'm going to sell 10, you know, or whatever the case may have been. That allowed me to kind of not miss the boat on the uprun but also not sell everything too early and just be, you know, shit out of luck. Had I had bought silver PSA 10 for $500 and it went to 750 or a thousand, I probably would have sold no questions asked, made $250 and that would have been the end of it. But because I decided to go with those base cards and to get them PSA 10 into dollar cost average, I was able to make uh, a lot more money than $250. So that's my strategy. You know, you can kind of come up with your own, Another really good strategy is to just not sell at all. You know, you buy at 500 and then this is your exit price and you exit at that price. Um, people also have like a stop loss in the stock market. That's what they call it. Let's say you buy it at 500 and then you're like, if it dips to 425, I'm selling it. You know, I'm going to take my $75 loss. And I'm going to exit. And then that's going to be it. Like you have to set these parameters for you to know, you know, what to buy, when to sell and you know when not to sell these strategies also help who you buy again sometimes you do get caught on ebay late night you know you're trying to combine auctions you start buying cards of guys that you weren't really looking to buy cards of when you have a strategy like it helps you stay within your parameters you know one thing i did that i totally regret was i just bought a bunch of cards this year you know just random sporadic cards i have so many optic cards of penny stocks and blue refractors of veterans and it's just like it's it's too consuming. You know, I don't want all of this stuff. You know, I've been taking a real strong approach at just narrowing down my investments and just having a couple of players that I believe in and rocking with that. You know, I don't need a card of everybody. I can't, you know, win every time. So yeah, definitely have a strategy, guys. It's something that I struggle with to this day because we do get caught up in the hobby. And again, what a beautiful transition. I'm really good at this podcast and stuff. That's the fourth, you know, mistake that I made getting caught up in the hobby. It's so easy to like, just be a part of this thing. You know, you get into it to make money, but next thing you know, you're, you're collecting, you're into it because you want to have cool cards. You want to have a dope portfolio. You start buying cards for clout and not necessarily investment reasons. You know, I got caught up with a bunch of, you know, prism gold cards that i probably shouldn't have bought luckily i was able to make some money off them but they were so hard to move i had to find the right buyer the the profit margins weren't that high and it just didn't make a lot of sense in terms of just like my roi again i'm not saying limited gold prism you know cards are a bad investment but they didn't really go in line with my strategy you know i would i wasn't buying those cards to hold them for several months or a year or whatever the case may be. You know, you got your your long-term holds, you got your short-term holds, and you don't want to blend those two together. You don't want to mix those up. A really good example of where I made a mistake doing that at was with Terrence Ferguson. I was on uh, eBay one day and I was buying some cards and I saw a Terrence Ferguson uh, gold refractor. I keep saying refractor. I'm so used to like Topps Chrome. I saw uh, a Terrence Ferguson gold prism number to 10 PSA 10 um, ending in an auction. And it was just ending really cheap, like so cheap. I was like, why not? And then I ended up grabbing one. And then a couple of days later, I saw a 9.5, a BGS 
gold prism. And I was like, oh man, it'd be really cool to have 20% of those. And then a couple of days later, I saw a white sparkle um, optic and I'm just like, oh, that'd be dope to have that to kind of go along with it. Next thing you know, I have like six or seven Terrence Ferguson cards that are really rare that I don't necessarily care about. Like, why am I buying these cards? I don't like Terrence Ferguson. I mean, I think he's awesome on 2K. He's like that J.R. Smith, uh, you know, 3 and D kind of guy, but it doesn't translate in the actual NBA and it's not translating in the hobby. So I'm just kind of stuck with four high-end Terrence Ferguson cards that I'm probably not going to be able to move. So yeah, you definitely want to avoid those type of situations. Um, again, don't feel bad if you're somebody who's doing that. I'm doing it too. It's hard. It's so hard not to get caught up in the hobby. A lot of us are men. We have egos. You know, we want to be cool. We want to be show-offy. You know, buying the base card is boring, but having the gold, you know, really adds some appeal to it. So yeah, just have your strategies. Don't get caught up in it and just know when to not buy like that. That's all I can tell you. Know when to not buy. Like sometimes you just got to say no. And last but not least, speaking of saying no, I want to talk about the mistake that I just made last week. I went into a Walmart. I was just trying to get a pop. And during like the checkout or whatever, I looked to my left and I saw this vendor stocking um, 2019-20 Prism. And I was like, oh, man, that'd be really cool. Let me go check it out. Just see what they have. And man, they had everything like he was in the middle of stocking it. I got a picture of him stocking it. I posted it to um, the chat and everyone's like, yo, you got to buy that. You got to buy that. And I'm like, yeah, I do got to buy this. This is a rare opportunity. Prism's being cleaned out everywhere. Here I am with a brand new, you know, shelf of Prism. Like I can kind of pick through it. I'm guaranteed a hit because it's a you know it's a case he's putting cases out so i ended up grabbing like a whole display and i pay like five or six hundred bucks for it and i just ripped packs open for hours you know i I had so many packs like it was crazy i was i was like stopping at red lights opening packs which i don't recommend doing second blaster into the rip i got a john morant prison silver and i was like oh man this is awesome i should just stop right now you know jokingly but kind of serious because that's a pretty big hit. But of course, I got caught up into the, the, the hype. I got caught up into the hobby. I, I kept opening. I kept opening. And I ended up opening all the packs. And if I must say, I pulled some really cool stuff. I had the John Morant uh, Prism, Tyler Hero Silver, Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, who else did I have? Cameron Johnson. And there was uh, and Kobe White. So I had some really good hits. You know, I didn't pull a Zion Silver. But I pulled like every other draft pick that matter. And at the end of the day, I ended up breaking even on everything. I might even have made like 50 or 60 bucks. But in the grand scheme of things, you see how much money I spent, how much of a risk that I took. It was not worth it. I'm not saying you guys shouldn't ever open boxes, but I need you to know when you buy boxes, when you buy wax, when you rip packs, you're gambling, like you're not investing. You are taking a huge, huge risk and nine times out of 10, it's not going to pay off. Opening packs is fun. One of the most enjoyable things that I've done in a while. Like I had a blast doing that, the excitement, the the suspense. It was, it was a good time, but it was a bad, bad, bad investment. I think that's important to say because I see a lot of people clearing off these shelves. I see a lot of you guys buying, you know, hangers and boxes and mega boxes. And I, I think the boxes, the, the 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 unopened sealed packs of cards are great long-term investments. But the way we just recklessly, you know, ripped them open probably isn't the best way to go about it. Again, a lot of you guys are new. This is your first prism release. You're not too familiar with you know how this goes you're getting caught up in a hobby you're breaking rule four you're excited and you kind of lose that investor's mindset you know 
I'm seeing a lot of you guys get first off the line wax and just opening it. You know, yeah, you can get, you know, a shimmer or a gold or something really cool, but the odds are 100% against you. It's not a good investment. You know, you might as well go buy lottery tickets because that's essentially what you're doing. You're trying to hit the lotto. I keep thinking about, you know, if I bought all that wax and, you know, I got what, six rookie prisms. What if those six rookie prisms were, you know, somebody else? What if I got a couple of Bobos who I am high on, but nevertheless, he doesn't sell well. What if I would have got a couple of Go God, you know, whatever that guy's name is for like the Pacers or Spurs, you know, Lucas Samanick, like they, those don't sell well. You know, I got lucky. I hit some of the top picks and I was only able to break even. A lot of you guys are buying first of the line prism. You're buying off the the, the the stock in the retail markets and you're hoping to pull like a Zion. You're, you want that Zion. It's just like, yo, just go buy the Zion. It's the same price. You're paying $500 for a box in hopes to pull a card that sells for $450. We want that thrill. We want that excitement. We want that story. But that story isn't a good investment. And let you tell in a podcast. With that being said, I want to put out a quick disclaimer. I don't recommend buying Zion at 450. I think these prices of Prism are outrageous, but that's another talk show. Anyway, guys, I hope this podcast helped you. Again, trying to tell some stories that can really, you know, push you to the next level without you having to go through the trial and tribulations that I had to go through. These are my five mistakes. I still make a lot of these mistakes to this day. It's going to take some time to kind of get out of these bad habits. If you guys haven't already, be sure to go check out my Instagram, my Twitter, starting to put some more content on there. been uploading a lot of my pickups. I do these podcasts weekly, but there you'll be able to see daily pickups. You'll be able to check into my stories and just kind of get this information a lot faster. Before I get out of here, I want to let you guys know, don't just follow me on those platforms too. be sure to engage with me. A lot of times when you ask questions, it helps me think of new topics. You guys are very much a part of this podcast as I am. So yeah, I'll catch you guys in the next one and happy investing. See you next Monday.